This week we have comedian Abby Govindan in the studio to join us for a chat about sex and dating. Hi listeners, welcome to April and the Cardamom Pod from Kajal Magazine, where we're talking news, culture, and the internet from a brown perspective. Anushka is out this week with whatever's been going around, but don't worry, we got comedian and Twitter queen Abby Govindan filling in for her. Hey guys, what's up? This week we're talking sex and dating. We covered some of this with Gerky last time, but there's so much to speak on. Uh, but before we get into that, let's do a quick check-in. Abby, what's going on with you? How was your weekend? Um, so I had an amazing weekend. Thank you for asking, Nadia. Um, I did a show at UCB called Crazy Funny South Asians. It is run by Alingon Mitra, who is uh, a former writer for The Daily Show and Adam Ruins Everything. And he's been on like Conan and Steven. Um, and I was performing alongside literal Indian celebrities. So it was just like a very validating. Dope. So it was like a brown Illuminati meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I got and it, the I audience got it. was was like mostly Indian. It was really, really cool, uh, really exciting, really validating to be on stage amongst uh, some of my literal comedic idols. These are the ABDC guys, American Born Desi Comics. They're four Indian comics who are based out of New York. Um, I got into comedy after seeing them perform and, and thinking like that's what I want to do um, so the fact that not even a year and a half ago I was watching them perform and um, on Friday I got to perform alongside them I was just like that's crazy yeah so, thank yeah. you yeah what about you how's your weekend well firstly I love a girl who comes straight in with a self-plug guys I did a comedy show it was amazing <laughs> I was there with celebrities I was living my dream yeah but low-key though I love that I appreciate that <laughs> drag me it's fine <laughs> that's I mean that's what we hear but it's just like auntie culture just permeates auntie culture, you know yeah, yeah, exactly. like you can have you can feel your oats but i'm also here to tell you that you're feeling your oats too much. yeah 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 i agree <laughs> i agree good. yeah it's all good um yeah this week was really good uh this weekend was just like some glorious weather situation um some rain but mostly beautiful i was at the new york city feminist zine fest at barnard college which was really really cool I was there with kajal we sold out which is dope amazing um, i even spoke on it yeah thanks i spoke in a workshop about poc zine making and about how to infiltrate white spaces with brown art which was <laughs> so much fun i like the term infiltrate by the way it makes you guys sound like spies i mean aren't we though like we're behind enemy lines at this point we <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good Always. point yeah. um and i talked to everybody about how i think public shaming is a very useful tool um and i'm never above a good public shaming if a space is insulated and it's keeping you out call them out on twitter write them a very strongly worded email and then tell them that you are going to publicly shame them and then watch how quickly they trip over themselves to fix the situation it's amazing it's Go also off. like the only thing that white people respond to yeah so, yeah yeah exactly uh, definitely definitely use that tool um cool i think before you mentioned something about old town road and we were talking about the yeehaw agenda yes i have so much to say so um i actually hadn't heard this song before this weekend i know it's been a, a like thing where for a have while. you been i know i know where <laughs> have i been um but old town road is a song by lil nas x he's a rapper he's a teenager still he's from atlanta georgia and he dropped out of college to pursue music and um, he made this like country infused trap anthem that went viral on TikTok. And for the longest time, uh, radio play like radio hosts and 
whoever else plays music to the masses, uh, had to rip this song from like SoundCloud and TikTok because it wasn't on any official streaming platform. And then uh, he got like a record deal. It was added to Apple Music, Spotify, and now it's number one on all those things. Now recently, it was number one on, on the country billboard charts and recently Billboard took it off because they said it's not country Because enough. they're racist. Because they're racist. And I was so upset because I just came back from Nashville for spring break, right? And I went to the Grand Ole Opry and the Grand Ole Opry is like Coachella for like old white people who are <laughs> who have like generational wealth, you know? Um, and it's a weekly happening. So like if Coachella happened every week and it's not as expensive as Coachella, but um, it's like a lineup of like country legends. And uh, one of the performers was Holly Williams. That's right, girl, I'm calling you out. And she was performing and uh, she was singing a love song that she wrote recently that was based off of the love story of her and her grandfather. And one of the lines, oh, sorry, not her and her grandfather, sorry, her grandmother and her grandfather. I was grandfather. about to be like, country music got way more incestuous. <laughs> the last time i checked yeah (laughs) yeah no so she was writing this uh love song that was based off the love story of her grandmother and her grandfather and one of the lines uh is they were playing horseshoes outside with the colored kids and i lost my shit i lost my shit and she didn't get any backlash and that's when i said like that's when you know that there's not enough people of color in country music like on the production team on the writing team like on the publishing team because like if there was even one person of color, or they would have been listening like, to country music. Yeah, or even listening to country music. Yeah, if, if there was one person of color, they would have been like, Holly, like, just say other. You know, it rhymes. It rhymes. Like, you don't have to go this extra mile. And she hasn't faced any backlash, but Lil Nas X, like, this incredibly talented music producer and rapper who's not even 20 yet, um, made this amazing song, and he was punished for it. It, I guess it was great because it gave him more... Um, like recognition right but i'm upset this reminds me of when um beyonce performed at the country music awards she performed daddy lessons which as we know is an amazing country song and even though the video like even though it was amazing and people were watching the video on the website they took the they took the web sorry they took the video off the website because they were getting so many hateful comments (gasps) but instead of like responding to the comments being like hey that's not cool or turning the comments off they took the video down sheer act of racism Yeah, country music does not defend people of color, but primarily black people, especially because country music is, um, I mean, it only exists because of black music and jazz and like kind of taking that. Right. um, Even like African instruments, like the banjo comes from Africa. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I'll be upset about this for the rest of time. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's totally, yeah, that's real. But the Yeehaw agenda continues. Whatever, whatever people say, whatever radio DJs do, whatever Billboard does. It'll, it'll exist so okay cool we're gonna take a short break and when we get back we're gonna talk about brown people doing it stick around let's start at the beginning um i'm not really sure where that is but i feel like okay i want to talk about dating apps let's just talk about dating apps oh, yeah. I think dating apps is a bizarre culture that we've created out of a like capitalist techno heteropatriarchy situation and now we have this like clusterfuck that is dating apps and like yeah there's so many of them there's new ones every day um i mean full disclosure i met my partner on a dating app so i can't really like bash them too much but i would love to get your are you on a dating app um yeah so i am on uh hinge i'm on bumble i just deleted tinder recently 
because I had way too many negative experiences. Just like as an act of self-care. Just as an act of self-care. Deleting yeah. Tinder. Yeah, my skin cleared up. <laughs> ISIS was defeated after I deleted Tinder. <laughs> all my amazing. bills were paid. Yeah, all my, yeah exactly. Um, and then I have Bill Mill. Um, <laughs> why? <but laughs> why? Um, Tell me why. Okay, so this is a cool conversation to have because um, I, when I first started doing comedy, I uh, had just broken up with my third boyfriend and or he more like he had broken up with me and uh all three of my ex-boyfriends at that point had been white and so I made a lot of jokes about it it resonated with a lot of Indian girls right um because a lot of us uh when we're younger we do want this like uh attention from white people like when you're dating a white person it feels like you're in a a Hollywood movie kind of um but then after this most recent relationship ended um I decided that like I just wanted to have a cultural understanding with the person that I was dating so um you wanted I, your baggage to match up. Yeah, that's, that's my what baggage to match I up. Out in the um, well, also, my ex-boyfriend and I, uh, we did a road trip uh, across a significant portion of the Northeast last summer, and I played Bhangra music in the car, and he just, like, didn't react. It was uh, Punjabi MC. It was the Jay-Z remix, too, so, like... So it wasn't even... It was, like... Bungra light. It was Bungra. It was Daya Bungra. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like those that like that that Punjabi MC MC Jay Z song like gets my white friends so hype. It gets my Indian friends so hype. It's a good mix, you know. But he didn't react at all. And in that moment, I was like, I cannot spend the rest of my life with a white guy. I can't. And I at that point was very very in love with him. But like some part like some part of me just snapped. And so when we broke up, I was like, I just like need some cultural understanding with the person I'm dating. So. Um, yeah, I downloaded Bill Mill. Um, that was kind of a train wreck though, because like people were putting their cast in their bio. Yeah, dude, that's like part of the interface of, that's why I was so curious. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I recently deleted that one actually, I guess I should have mentioned that, but I really like Hinge. I've had a lot of really positive experiences on Hinge. I've had a lot of really positive experiences on Bumble. Um, Mm. so I keep those two around. Coffee Meets Bagel, I've also had positive experiences on. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, my ex-boyfriend and I, um, met through Tinder and we dated for almost a year. Um, and that was a really positive experience. He still is to this day, like one of the nicest men I've ever met and like engaged in a romantic relationship with. Um, but I think the understanding of Tinder is kind of like, um, a hookup, you know, like that is the premise of Tinder essentially. Um, and they kind of do embrace that brand. They don't really try to fight it. Um, so yeah, they're I, not trying to like match people up. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, had uh, a series of negative experiences on tinder and that's when i just decided um it was like when i was going on dates with guys and like <coughs> it was only like three experiences i don't know why i make it sound like a dozen but um i like they, went on they a tend date. to multiply yeah at least in my head it right. feels they're like just, a, all like a million yeah. yeah um but i went on a date with a guy and he like cornered me in a movie theater and tried to kiss me Ew. um yeah another one um we got dinner and then he lived nearby and um i my phone had died and i had like a 40 minute commute home so i asked if i could go over to his place to charge my phone and he saw that i guess as like a i want to fuck kind of thing am i allowed to say fuck yeah okay um yeah i want to fuck kind of thing and then he uh he asked me if i wanted anything to drink i love orange juice right so i asked him i was like hey the sexiest drink (laughs) such a common can i have a glass of orange juice and um and then i uh and then he brought it out for me and i took a sip and he spiked it with like 90 percent vodka i was like what the fuck do you think i am and then he um 
like kind of tried to corner me into like having sex with him and I literally like ran out in tears and he wrote a really long apology to me over text after uh he wants to run for office so if I he's like covering his ass that's what I'm saying so if if he ever runs for office man I am ready I'm ready with the receipts the screenshots (laughs) um the I even wrote down like my um my testimony in my notes app in case like I forget it you know <laughs> um but I'm ready I'm ready to I'm ready to me too that guy if he ever tries to pursue any sort of public office but yeah and then um and then I had a few more experiences like that and uh I just kind of decided that like uh tinder isn't for me like for a long time I did try to pretend that I could be that girl that like casually hooks up with people and is totally okay with it but um casual sex just like uh wasn't doing it for me and I'm a very emotional person and like learning to embrace that and kind of accept it uh has made me a lot happier so yeah i'll have like longer dry spells um like i think at this point i haven't had sex in like three months which is crazy for me but um maybe it might even be longer wait i think the last time i had sex was in october so it's been six months longest dry spell ever um but that's okay because i hope that the next person i have sex with will be someone who i care about and who cares about me i mean during dry spells you find out about all these hobbies that you didn't know that you enjoy exactly (laughs) you do find a use for your time yeah um yeah okay so dating apps is really interesting even in my own personal dating history because so which app did you meet your partner through tinder okay and i think the reason why is because tinder had at the time which was like two years ago the largest pool of people on Mm -hmm. any any dating app and at the time bumble was becoming a ghost town and hinge was really just all white people so like tinder did hinge even exist two years ago yeah it did that is but it was it was all white people and it's like recently rebranded as like we'll find your like life partner app or whatever right i love it i love it for like teenagers or something yeah i love their marketing technique it's uh the only dating app that wants you to delete the dating app is their whole brand now okay you say that but i think okay cupid's um series like campaign the dtf campaign like I think that one's really good. Like down to finish, my oh, novel yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That down one's to floss together. Yeah, like those yeah. are really fun. Also, this is like a very New York centered conversation. Yeah. Because these are like subway ads. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I met my partner on Tinder. I was on Tinder for like a year and a half before I met him. Mm-hmm. And he was on Tinder for two months. And I think that is uh gender inequity, if mm-hmm. anything, if anything I've ever seen. Um so that was definitely an issue at the time. But so what happened was I had when I moved to New York, I was getting out of a long term relationship. I'd been with this person for four years. He was also white. I mentioned him in the previous podcast. I really shouldn't talk about him this much because he might just <laughs> something will happen in the universe and he'll listen in or something and like give me a phone call. And I do not yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah. But anyway, so I had gotten out of a long term relationship. and I was really curious about dating apps because they popped up while I was in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, I think especially if you're if you've ever been othered. Um, that tends to be amplified in like a dating circumstance. I agree. And there's something about a dating app that kind of gives you a sense of like security because you're like, oh, this person isn't going to see me across the room and then like avoid eye contact or they're not going to like find an excuse to get out of a conversation in person. Like there's a kind of sense that you have like a a shield between you. Yeah. Um, And that you can also do a lot of the like parsing through yourself. You can kind of like select from a catalog of people. There's kind of a sense of like, I can literally Google my soulmate and it'd be great. Yeah. Um, and I, I really did appreciate that, which is like really interesting, I think, in comparison to like some of my white friends and what they experience on dating apps and like feeling like they didn't enjoy the experience. And they could just like not use them. But that didn't really seem like an option for me. Yeah. Um, but so I came to New York. I got on dating apps and I was like aggressively dating. I was like dating my way through New York for like a year and a half. 
um, going on dates like regularly to the point of just like it was like a second it was like another life like a side hustle mm-hmm. I was like oh I have like a, like dates like three times this week and it was just like insane um, and it was like really I think we've all had that phase yeah. by the way yeah it's, um, just, it's very like New York City rom-com yeah, yeah it's yeah. like gorging yourself on yeah. like the dating scene and it was really exhausting to the point where my mom was like, you should just delete your dating apps because like, I'd love for you to like meet somebody in real life. And I was like, yeah, okay. What an auntie thing to <laughs> like, say. Like you can't like walk into a cafe and be like, who here is ready to get married in five or 10 years? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. it's like hard to, to like align your goals in real time sometimes. Um, and I was really having fun, like meeting people through dating apps, even though most of the experiences were pretty shit. Yeah. It was kind of a like social experiment in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah, I had all kinds of experiences on dating apps. Like we were talking, you were talking about your experiences before. This one guy I had gone on a few dates with. He like tried to show me his office, like his like took me back to his office building, and then tried to like come onto me in a stairwell, and then I left. And he didn't understand why. Like I never talked to him again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that uh, I've had some. Yeah, I've had some experiences where guys will come on to me in like very, very uh, inappropriate. Um, contexts and like i don't know just like what what else can i say except like men need to get a fucking clue you know i think well i wonder if it's because like dating apps is like you've already like aligned your goals in some ways in the sense that like they know that you're there for something romantic they're there for something romantic and they just assume that you're there for the same thing they are yeah exactly and i think there's a sense that like oh it's like it's like seamless but for sex like i can just like call somebody up and there'll be I, I was like seamless but for sex is a really really good metaphor yeah <laughs> but like so like yeah like for people who don't live in new york again seamless is like a way to order food to your apartment anyway so uh this one guy i matched with he like the first text at me was i can where do you live i can be there in under two hours and i was like what the fuck yeah i blocked yeah. his ass it was well, so scary yeah good that you sp- bring that up because we were also talking earlier about like having sex as a brown person and like what that entails um so i guess my question for you would be what has your experience been like how do you has there ever, ever been a situation where you're uh, in a sexual okay let me start over has there ever been a sexual situation where you feel your desi identity more so than usual so i will definitely talk about this experience that i had i was dating this guy he wasn't white he wasn't south asian um i don't want to like <laughs> call him out too much no yeah um but we were just like hanging out and it wasn't even like, I don't know. It was like, it was like a romantic situation. We were hanging out in my bedroom and uh, he just like looked at me and he was like, wow, you look like an Indian mermaid. That was like, why not just a mermaid? Yeah. Because before that he had gotten mad at me for saying, for calling myself a brown girl. I was like, oh, you know, as a brown girl. And he's like, why do you do that? Why can't you just say that you're a girl? Cause you are sometimes you're just a girl. And I was like, okay so. but you don't get to tell me that like i get to decide when that when and where that happens exactly. and with who that happens and then the next thing he does is call me an indian mermaid not even like just a mermaid like i would have even taken like oh you're like a pacific mermaid because i'm from california yeah, like that yeah, would have yeah. been fine but like no indian and i think in that moment like i i realized more so than any other time that oh, my partner sees me as Indian before anything else. Exactly. Like before he sees me as a friend, before he sees me as, you know, a person that he's dating or sleeping with, he sees me as Indian. And it's like, shit, like we can have all of these experiences together and he still just sees me as like my most reduced circumstance. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel that too. Like I've gotten a lot of like, you're pretty for an Indian girl or like one Amazing, amazing compliment. One guy, which Indian girls are beautiful. We've been like Miss World and Miss Universe so many times. Like I'm going to... 
we all own that title. Yeah, <laughs> like, we all. We're one just, of us won that. It's all of ours now. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And then like one guy I hooked up with who was white told me that um, he was like, oh, you know, one time I hooked up with someone who's darker than you. I was like, congrats. Dope. Like, Dope. what do you? And he's Did really he pull cool. out a bingo sheet? Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I got this one. I got this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was really cool in that. Like, I called him out on it and he um, responded really productively and he was like, oh, you're right. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to negatively affect you. And uh, that's kind of the repertoire I try to build up with people that I hook up with and that, like, I'm not going to be afraid to call you out if you say dumb shit. But like I said, I haven't dated a white guy for like almost a year and a half. So um, it hasn't really been necessary. And that's the really cool thing about like dating, um, going from dating like only non-Indian people to dating Indian people. Because even non-white non-Indian like people of color who aren't Indian will say like kind of passively um yeah passive aggressive things or um like racist things and it's it's uh it's a lot it's a lot of emotional labor um so yeah I mean you say that but I feel like some of the stupidest things that have been said to me have been from South Asian guys oh that too 100 <laughs> percent. like oh. it may not be overtly racist but there's so much self-hatred there that it comes out in their experience like in their interaction with women yeah um yeah i mean i have uh indian guy friends who tell me that they don't date indian women amazing and stuff like that. um i make the indian joke women don't want to date them either yeah i mean <laughs> yeah so this is something that i've gotten a lot of online backlash about which i was telling you earlier is i continuously make this joke that like i only date white guys um and the backlash has gotten his uh, felt surreal let me just mm. say I feel like a Kardashian you know <laughs> I found threads of like Indian kids and like they see kids just like talking about my love life and like saying like oh she only dates like ugly white guys she doesn't date Indian guys which just isn't true um but it's a lose-lose situation to address it but because, like, like what if you dated only ugly white guys and only beautiful Indian guys that I is what I did <laughs> that is what I do actually yeah but like I don't <laughs> want like all of us <laughs> yeah I don't really want to uh, I don't really want the guys that I date to think that they're a pawn like a political pawn of any sort I don't want I don't want to be that girl who's like actually like I may make these jokes but I'm dating a brown guy um, because the guys that I date, I have had positive experiences with. Um, I did just end things with a guy I was seeing uh, on Friday, and I really cared about him. But <laughs> like, did you do this before or after your show? <laughs> before, <laughs> before, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did really care about him. It was really sad, but like, um, it's like the fourth like thing that I've ended uh, ended in the past year and a half, and. Um, it's because like I really do want to date an Indian guy like I see myself like dating one long term and, and moving in with one and marrying one but um, I think in South Asian culture there is a lot of uh, things that we need to have a, a direct conversation about like um, pretty much all of the guys that I've ended things with in the past year and a half I ended things with because I'm a very emotionally needy person I'm not very apologetic about it like I um, like want to see you regularly like I want to know that you care about me like I want I want to be reaffirmed that like that like we are in this together um, but a lot of South South Indian I do date South Indian guys <laughs> um, I date Indian guys but mostly South Indian guys but a lot of Indian guys will um, don't they don't really have that emotional context because in Indian culture like women are the emotional ones but men aren't and like that's really sad that's so sad but like also I feel like it's a lot of emotional labor on my part to like go out of your way to teach you and especially because I'm going through so much like I'm a full-time student I'm a part-time employee and I'm doing this comedy thing like I want a boyfriend I don't want a student um so or I, like another cousin to like pick up right? yeah like exactly kind of, I get what you're saying there's like a sense of like being treated like they treat other women in their life and that's so much work that you did not sign up yeah. for and you're not getting compensated for it because the dick can't be that bomb like. yeah yeah I was dating this guy who told me 
he was 24 and he told me that he didn't know how to cook. And, Amazing. And I was like, why? And he was like, you know, well, growing up, my mom never taught me how to cook because she didn't want me to see me grow up. I w- I'll always be her little boy. And I was <sighs> like, well, what about your sister? He had, a, he had a sister who was seven years older. And he said, oh, she taught her, my sister, how to cook when she was like 13, 14. And I was like, look, like as men, and this is something like South Asian men, if you're listening, like this is something you should keep in mind is that if you have a position of privilege in your community, then like you should absolutely use that to call people out. So you should have told your mom like, hey, it's kind of messed up that you taught my sister how to cook, but not me. Same with like, if you're straight and you see like aunties making like homophobic comments, then you should speak up and say, hey, that's bad. Or if like you hear uncles making racist comments against another race, then you should say, hey, that's bad in the same way that um, if you're a male, um, in the Indian community or in the South Asian community and you see some sort of sexism, you should call it out. So I have a lot of problem with complacency as well. And um, that was one of that was one of the reasons, I mean, I ended things with two guys over that. So like, I'm really, I know that my, my sweet, sweet Indian prince is out there. <laughs> I know he's out there. Uh, it's going to be a long road ahead for the search. I think he'll be worth it. But um, these are things that I want to have a conversation about. But I can't bring this up without you know, people within our communities um, calling me like a white man's whore saying that I'm oh in, like, in bed with white supremacy. I get that too. I used to, yeah. one of my comments was, she seems like she sucks white dick. And I was like, white, black, brown, I don't discriminate. Like, <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity employer. I, I suck all kinds of dick. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't know what you want me to say in that moment because like, if it's an insult, if you're trying to insult me that, oh, you date white men or you date white people, it's like, okay true but like yeah like, where, where am i gonna go from that also like sometimes like south asian people and non-white people are some of the most hateful people in my life and like that's just how it works like yeah and i always say that like we can have a conversation without being racist against south asian people but also acknowledging that like it is so much easier to find a white man who is raised in a liberal household with liberal views as opposed to south asian men and that's and who not, cleans up after himself uh, uh, is that <laughs> problematic? I'm not sure. I don't. I just. I feel like I've the the white men I've experienced, um, who I've dated, have taken me at face value very often, and have been generally very capable of taking care of themselves. Yeah, in a way so that a lot of yeah. brown men. Yeah, because like South Asian men are coddled by their mothers. And that's another thing that I want to have a conversation about without like getting backlash about it. And like not to say that we're like upholding these negative stereotypes, because, again, I really do like want to marry an Indian guy. Like I see myself like driving to temple every <laughs> Sunday, like singing Bhangra music. I love this. I want to talk shit about Indian men, but I also would like to, to marry, marry one. So please disregard. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, that's what I was doing for white men for a lot. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, white men are the worst, but I'm dating white guys or whatever. And like I've also and this is another thing I've gotten backlash on is like people will be like you talk about dating white guys and you talk about dating Indian guys well why not anything else I was like no I've dated a lot of different races but I feel like I can't make comments um on any races other than white or Indian because like making commentary on white men is like just like me it's challenging the, the power yeah. yeah the power structure and me making comments on Indian men is me criticizing slash complimenting men within my own race and I can't really insult or compliment men of other races without it either looking like I'm pushing negative racial stereotypes or fetishizing them but also you, you don't know? understand the nuances of that community because you haven't lived it in the exactly same way. we've lived in white society we live in brown society we know what that's like Okay, I totally hear you on all of those fronts, but I want to talk about sex. Let's like, can we get back to that? Yeah, Because yeah. like, there's so much that we need to talk about because brown people are so bad at talking about sex. And I think this is a really great place for us to talk about that. And I want to ask you, what was the talk like? Did you get the talk from your parents? 
Nope. <laughs> no, I firmly believe that Asian kids don't get the talk. And no, that's no, all Asian talk. kids. You got, I the, got talk? the talk. I got the talk when I was like, I got the talk multiple times. Um, maybe because I was like sex crazed. I don't know. But like my mom saw something in me and she was like, we should sit down and discuss this. But my mom was really good about it. And she really talked about like not really like P and V sex, but more like the emotional exchange that happens and how that can be debilitating if you're not ready for it. Um, and just about like protecting yourself. And she was very, very pro like self exploration which is funny because i did not know that women could masturbate till i was 17 and uh so there was some disconnect happening there <laughs> some miscommunication no i agree yeah i was in college and i didn't find out i knew that women could masturbate i just thought that women didn't you know and then when i was in college i was 19 i was talking to my friends and they were all like yeah what kind of vibrator do you use and i was like what are you talking about excuse me and then my <laughs> friends were like wait did you not this is apparently a universal experience is like in eighth grade you get the sex talk and then you like go home and explore yourself and then you figure out what you like and don't like and you just like start regularly masturbating around the time like when the first signs of puberty come in but I was like, no, absolutely. That is not, not, that's not a universal experience. That is no, but it's like, it's like a largely, cause like everyone that I've talked to about this, every non-Indian person, I've met a lot of Indian women who don't masturbate. Um, and I know that we were talking about how we don't earlier because of these like, um, hold on. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's internalized. Like you're saying, but it's also time consuming. It is. I just, I just imagine that like budgeting time in my busy as schedule for like me time with my vibrator is like, impossible yeah and at this point like i'm i mean i'm 27 it's just like a thing that is not part of my vocabulary like i feel like i miss my window yeah yeah when it comes to masturbation I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. Is that like you either have to build it, make it part of your daily life. Otherwise, right. you like, don't your know how de-stressing to routine or budget time for it. Yeah. If, if I find out that everyone's supposed to be masturbating at age 20, then like what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, right. like I'm a student. I have other things to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has a lot to do, I think, also with orgasm culture. And there's kind of this weird sense around like sex positivity that like so sex positivity is good for the most part, but I think it kind of overcorrects and doesn't really give room for a lot of nuance sometimes. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, in order to be like liberated and feminist and all these things, you need to be having sex all the time. You need to have an IUD or birth control or you need to like um, you need to be masturbating. You need to like know how to get yourself off. You need to be able to like you need to be like a, like a sex goddess. And also you also you have to be like extremely like good about like maintaining subtlety in your sex life it's like very difficult to like be all those things and also to like i don't i don't know how to like crumble societal expectation when it comes to brown people like how do i overcome all the obstacles like you know our foremothers put in our way or our forefathers put in our way and then also be this like liberated western feminist ideal well i think it's worth noting that india was actually a very sex positive culture before british rule um so my mom told me the tales of like the temples on some of the temples on the side right they the really have, raunchy like, ones yeah they mm. have like sex positions carved and that's because way back in the day when there weren't enough indians which i know it's hard to imagine <laughs> a world in which there aren't a lot of indians but just like close your eyes and do it with me uh way back in the day when when indian populations were dwindling they used to carve these sex positions on the side of the temple um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, but I totally agree. I, I don't really know if that's like sex positivity. I feel like that's more like sex for util- capitalistic util- intention. Util- utilization. Right? Yeah. Like we need more workers. <laughs> like get that's busy. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Um, I guess like who's to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I that's something that I've always um, struggled with kind of is like uh, for the longest time I was afraid to 
tell people what I wanted in bed, like tell people what I liked. And then um, one day I just realized like everyone who's having sex with me is incredibly lucky. And um, <laughs> I just kind of like ran with it. And um, it's really cool. I've, uh, I also finish really easily. I don't know if this is TMI, but I finish really easily. I credit a lot of it to not masturbating <laughs> because my friends who masturbate have like really high you threshold. Like, yeah, you didn't build a tolerance. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... And now I've been in this like flip situation, you know, where like I'll finish and then I'll roll over and fall asleep, um, which like every Take time it back, reclaim it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like every time I have a sexual encounter and I finish and he doesn't, it's like I female feel sexual reparation. No, that's what I'm saying. Female sexual reparations. I feel bad for like 0.5 seconds. And then I'm like, OK, you've probably done this to like at least seven girls. Right. right? How many like, girls have you used to masturbate? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to build this represent uh, this representation of myself as like a, a selfish frigid bitch because I don't even Who have cares? sex with that many people yeah well whatever um, you do I you I don't I don't have as sex with as many people as I used to I actually lost count of the number of people that I've had sex with which is a fun thing to be able to tell people Cute. especially when you're Indian you mm. know um my body counts so high I don't even know what it is and it's not even that high. I just know that I eventually stopped counting. Cause like, I was right. like, why do you like, it's like a childish thing to do. To it's count. a childish thing to do. And the, the only reason you count is because you have the stigma around like who, like the more people I have sex with, the, the more devalued I become. And right. it's not anyone's business. And if anyone ever asks me like, Hey, how many people have you had sex with? I know that they're not worth my time. You know, well, who would ever ask you in like, men have asked me that 2019 men have asked me that. And then it's so funny to like my whole shtick now is just like telling them a ridiculously high number that I make up right. like I'll be like I don't know I lost count after like 164 I feel like I would try to make up like fake math like okay well if we try to square that number I yeah. think we'd get this and then if we take like the negative of it and add it to this does anal count <laughs> <laughs> or like I feel like that's a ridiculous thing because like fundamentally like if you're with a person for a while you're having sex with them frequently or you know more frequently than you are a one night stand yeah so why does the body count matter more than how often you've had sex like, yeah. I just, like, that's a weird thing to me, right? That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Is, is like, it one per time? Right. So like how arbitrary are we going to get with yeah, this? You exactly. Know? Like, exactly. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that whole thing about like counting was always like definitely like a paranoia of mine. Like, oh, I have to remember everybody's name. I have to remember where I'm at. I have to remember the story for everything. And it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Who does this help? Who cares? No, who cares? If he's is not still like in your life, who cares? Right. Like, that's what, like, I, earlier I was thinking, like, I don't think I've had sex in six months, but there is a very real possibility there's a man out there. <laughs> <laughs> that I did have sex with and I just like did not care about him enough to like remember <laughs> that I had sex with him right. you know <laughs> right oh, okay if you're listening man I'm so sorry if who you cares? Exist. Go who away. cares yeah you're right <laughs> we don't talk anymore <laughs> <laughs> all right cool this was like this was so good I'm glad we got to like air out these like brown sexy grievances yeah I agree. It's also so nice to meet a fellow Indian woman who's right. like not ashamed. A fellow of, brown slut. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of us. There's a lot of us. We are uh, we are a very silent majority, I'd like to say. I, I don't know. I, I have to say that most of like the really sexual people that I've met in my life have been like brown girls. Like I was when I was at LSE for school, the <laughs> no one's going to know. Anyway, so the girl who like lived in like the, the room next to me. I would hear very loud sex sounds coming from her room and I couldn't tell if they were porn or her. And I was just like, Dang. either way, like, get some. <laughs> like, I love it. Oh my God. Make some noise, girl. You got it. You deserve it. Hey. 
Hey guys, we're back. Uh, we're here with our final segment, No Nose or Zone, which we always love doing. We have Abby to join us this time, which should be so much fun. For people just tuning in, No Nose or Zone is our space to be uh, quote-unquote constructively petty. It's uh, cursing people without quite cursing them. Um, I think this time we're talking about sex and dating again, so... Abby, do you want to start or should I? What do you want to do? Yeah, so uh, no nezer, but your overcorrection hurts people uh, right. in the name of feminism. Um, so I was talking online recently about Pete Davidson and someone said, I wish these fake woke women wouldn't would stop caping for Pete Davidson's abusive ass. And I was like, uh, I would say that there are no credible allegations of abuse against Pete Davidson, but there are no allegations, period. And I think that uh, kind of assuming, you know, that he's abusive from like things that he said for the sake of comedy kind of takes agency away from women who have dated him. He's dated so many famous women and, and none of them have come forward yet. And um, like yeah. there's space when that happens. Yeah. But don't, like, jump the gun and just decide for other people yeah. what their experiences are. Exactly. I have another example. Is, uh, one of my friends was kind of chastising me for following this guy on social media and, and talking to him and engaging with him. And she said, uh, he's a rapist. And I was like, oh, has he been accused of rape? And she was like, no, no, but I talked to the girl that... Uh, he used to date and from things that she's told me here and there I've decided that he's a rapist but she doesn't know yet and I was like isn't that kind of for her to decide though you know um and uh the things that she was telling me weren't even um like overtly like sexual assault kinds of things like it was like he would um like pull her too quickly whenever they were at parties together which indicates like control of and situations and I was like See, like, the thing is, like, everything that she's saying could be true, but it's not for her to decide decide. that for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. For me, like, I know Nezer, but your overcorrective sex positivity is getting in the way of, like, my good sex. Yeah. Because I just, I get, I don't know how to describe this, but, like, you know, I have gotten a lot of pressure, both spoken and unspoken, from people close to me and from society at large that, oh, like, you should get an IUD. You should be on all these contraceptions. Like, you should be on these, like, things that keep you from, like, having getting pregnant, but then you can have all the sex you want. As if, like, that's a choice that I want to make. Like, it's be made, being made for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As if it's, like, my ticket to being, like, a good feminist or being, like, a good <laughs> Western person yeah. or whatever. There's yeah. that. There's, like, oh, you should be having, like, lots of sex. You should be masturbating all the time. You should be totally in control of your sexuality. But it's, like, such a narrow scope as to, like, what being in control of my sexuality looks like. This, like, sex positivity branded freedom. Yeah. So I'm over it. No nuzzer, but fuck your sex positivity sometimes. Sometimes. sometimes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure. I think that kind of ruined my freshman year of college experience because uh, there was a lot of pressure on me to like have sex with guys and like date people and um, kind of get my numbers rolling in terms of like if you're not having sex every weekend you're not attractive you're not a true feminist you're like conforming to patriarchal ideals and it's like relax yeah (laughs) fucking chill yeah agreed this episode of the cardamom pod is presented by kajal magazine in partnership with listening party follow the crew on instagram at listening party presents and at canal street market and follow kajal at kajal mag I'm your host, Nadia, and my co-host is Abby. Our producer is Aziz Adib, music provided by Serene Patel. We'll talk to y'all soon. Keep an eye out for evil eyes.